Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 1.30 in the morning on Sunday night. Uh, life update for me. Today was crazy. We had one of the coolest services we've ever had today. And then immediately after church, I went to Sarasota for a gig and I just got home. Uh, normally, I would just be like, eh, let me work on the podcast tomorrow but the uh service was just so great today i didn't want to wait to get it out so i'm gonna knock this out real quick and have it ready for everybody to listen to tomorrow morning uh why was today so great excellent question we did an inclusion and diversity training today and uh it's been something we've been looking forward to for a really long time and it was just so great hannah did an awesome job while I was listening to her, I just kept thinking of so many places I wanted to share it. And, um, I hope you feel the same way. So take a listen. Hopefully it speaks to you. And, um, hopefully you can think of somebody you you would like to share it with. Uh, I don't want to have a a bunch of announcements, uh, right now. I just kind of want to jump straight in. Um, only thing I'll say is come visit us at pride every, uh, every Saturday in the month of June. Um, Each week is a little bit different, so make sure you're following us on social media, and we will give you the deets. This week is the family week, and then the week after is the arts and music. Um, So we would love to see you. We're going to have a booth at both of those events, so come on out. All right, without further ado, here is Hannah and the training. We are doing diversity training this morning. Now. This is something we've been wanting to do for a while. Our leadership team and our core group that like help us get different off the ground last year, we took it before, you know, COVID shut the world down. And it, we took it because we wanted to make sure that we were not creating a space that we said was safe and then just invited people to the, to it only to then harm them accidentally, (laughs) immediately. So we took that very seriously and we have been wanting to offer it again, but of course it's been a little difficult with the world being shut down. So we are actually going to have this as part of our service. It's coinciding so conveniently with the start of Pride Month. We're doing our kickoff. And as a bonus, because we're doing it here and not with an outside organization, um, I can talk about Jesus (laughs) and faith also. So this is an overview, just so you know. Don't come up to me after service and be like, well, you did not mention these 73 things that are very important to me. I know I can only fit so many things into this time. I am Pentecostal though. So if you want me to keep talking forever until you literally starve to death in your seat, I can do that. But I don't think you want me to. Okay. So this is an overview. Anything that I don't mention, please know um, you can do a deep dive on this on your own. There's so many great diversity training resources out there. We're just going to do an overview. We're going to hit the highlights Um, And I'll talk about what we're going to go over. Just a note, I think everyone can benefit from diversity training. Best practices for inclusion are not just for straight people. For cisgendered people, we all have to participate. We all have to learn together so that we can be the safest space possible for people to explore faith. And I do want to say a lot of the information you will see here came from Metro Inclusive Health, which is a great local organization in St. Pete, um, as well as from the American Society for Engineering Education. So those are two great resources. If you want to dive deeper, just Google them. Now, why would we even do this training? Like being a safe space, okay, cool. We want to do that, right? But why is this important? Why are we dedicating a whole service to this? Why is Pride a whole month? Okay, because quite frankly, members of the LGBT plus community have been denied basic human rights. 
and access to safe and affirming medical care and access to their families and the rates of depression and anxiety and other mental health concerns are astronomically high and the rates of LGBT plus youth having mental health issues and suicide is so much higher than the rest of the population. And culture has had a huge part to play in this. And the church, the C word. Faith and faith communities should be the safest space for people. And it has been one of the most harmful. And we, we're just, we refuse to be part of the problem. And I don't think that's even good enough. Not being part of the problem is not good enough. We are to be part of the solution. So this is what we're gonna cover today. I made very fancy slides so you can follow along. So we're gonna go over basic terminology and concepts. We are gonna go over what's the deal with pronouns, coming out, what is it? How to be an ally, and then we're gonna touch on faith and inclusion. So we're just gonna jump right in. Basic terminology and concepts. It's a lot of letters. That's not even all of them, just so you know. <laughs> There's a longer acronym that I can't even say without getting tongue-tied. <laughs> um, you're wondering, like, what do those letters mean? Like, L-G-B-T-Q-I-A, it just keeps going <laughs> forever. Like, maybe you know what a few stand for, right? We're going to cover the most prominent ones, but there are more letters, there are more identities. Do some further studies. Basically, this acronym represents a series of sexual orientations and gender identities. So when we think about this, we have to... My watch is talking to me. It just literally pulled up articles on sexual orientation and gender identities. <laughs> so if you need proof that the man is listening to you... <laughs> um, anyways... <laughs> Sexual orientation and gender identity are two separate identifiers, okay? Um, we're going to talk about why, but, but both of these groups face similar oppressions. So it's united under the same umbrella acronym. Um, you may see it as LGBTQIA. You may see it as LGBT+. You may see it as LGBTQ+. You may get tongue-tied. It's fine. This is a safe space. <laughs> there are two majority identities, cisgender and heterosexual or straight. So cisgender means a person whose sex assigned at birth matches their gender identity or how they self-define their gender. So for example, at birth, I was female. My gender identity, also female. Maybe this is you. You were born male, your gender identity is male. You were born female, your gender identity is female. If that's true of you, you fall under the cisgender umbrella. So the Latin root for cis means same, same side. So that means simply your gender is on the same side as your biological parts that you were born with. This is called the majority identity because statistically, <laughs> the majority of people identify this way. But cis-normativity is the assumption that every, all people everywhere, no matter what, fit under this category. It's not, very, not a very helpful assumption. And then of course we have heterosexual or straight. This is a person that finds members of the other gender attractive. So for example, I'm female, I find males attractive, specifically my husband and partner, Josiah. Hey. <laughs> I like him very much. He's not in here, so I can say that. <laughs> this is a majority identity because statistically, the majority of people fall under this umbrella. Okay, now rocket science. Everybody with me so far? Okay, so heteronormativity is the assumption that all people everywhere fit that category. Again, not very helpful. Now we move on to the LGBTQIA identities. We're just going to go through them one by one. I'm going to give you a definition. Um, you probably know what some of these mean already. L stands for 
lesbian. This is a female identified person that finds other female identified people attractive. Gay, actually, the G is an interesting one because it's a male identified person that finds other male identified people attractive. However, it's also kind of morphed into this umbrella term to be any person who's attracted to the same gender. Um, so just because a like, if I were female attracted to other females, I don't have to identify myself as a lesbian. I could say I'm gay. That's totally fine. Um, one thing we do not do, we always mirror, right? So whatever a person says about themselves, that's what we say. If I'm like, I'm a lesbian, you don't get to be like, no. <laughs> if, I, if I say I'm gay, you don't get to be like, I don't think so. I don't think you are from what I see of you, okay? So... We know those two. And then we have the B, which stands for bisexual. So this is actually one of the most misunderstood identities. Um, it's a term for people who find members of the same gender and the other gender attractive. For example, a person could be attracted to both males and females. Just because a person is in a relationship with someone of the opposite gender does not mean that the person is not bisexual. This is important. And this is, I think, where people get confused. Bisexual is an identity that precedes the relationship. Okay, so I'm married to my husband. That's that great for me. <laughs> but me being straight has not really anything to do with our marriage. Like that, that was before I got married to him. So the same thing with bisexuality, the person that they're choosing to be with, their partner, it precedes that relationship. Then we have the T, that stands for transgender. This is a term for people whose sex assigned at birth does not match their gender identity. I feel like transgender can be confusing for a lot of people. Like, how do we use the word? What does it mean? Um, and the important thing to remember is that it's an adjective. Okay, so it typically is placed in front of another word. So transgender man, transgender woman, transgender community. So a person was born female, but identifies their gender as male. Always refer to someone in their current state. Okay, so by that, what I mean is the correct way to refer to someone is by the, how they currently identify themselves. So if a person was born female and they identify their gender as a male, they are a transgender man. A person who is born male, but identifies their gender as female later in life, they are a transgender woman. So the, the terms that you use are what that person currently identifies themselves as. And I know that that can be a little confusing. Um, and I feel like people get, we're like nervous to ask that question. Like, how do I refer to you? Like, I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong thing. You can ask me any questions. I may not have the answer, but if I do, I will give it to you. This is a safe space. You don't have to be like, I'm afraid that I'm going to phrase this question incorrectly and you're going to be offended. No, we all want to learn together. So just remember, whatever a person currently is, currently identifies as, that is how you refer to them. Then Q, Q is an interesting one, does not stand for queer. I did not know that for the longest time. <laughs> I just assumed, <laughs> of course, that's what we always do, right? We just assume we know things. No, Q actually stands for questioning. In the longer acronym, there's two Qs and one of them is queer. <laughs> but in the umbrella term, it stands for questioning. And it's basically a stage where someone's questioning their gender or their sexuality. Why do we even need this? Because it's usually a process to arrive at the identity that is most true, truly you. Perhaps a person knows, like, I just know that male gender expression is not right for me, but I'm not quite sure where I land on the spectrum yet. 
Maybe a person isn't sure, am I gay? Am I bisexual? Just starting to think about who I am. This is where the questioning identity comes in because it actually gives people space to find out what is right without the pressure of leaving this one box to jump immediately into another box. We need that. We need that in faith. We need that in sexuality. We need that in gender identity. We need that in all places. Space to figure out what is right. So questioning is a really, really important identity. And just because someone is that I'm questioning doesn't mean like, oh, well, I know what you are. No. <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you how you should get out of this box. I want to fit you into another box. No. Questioning is valid. And it, as long as it takes for someone to arrive on who they truly are as a person, is totally fine. Then we have the I. I stands for intersex. So intersex people are individuals who are born um, with any of several variations. So it could be variations in sex characteristics like chromosomes or um, sex hormones or genitals, something that doesn't fit into the male-female binary exactly. Intersex people often have very complicated relationships with their own bodies um, and especially with the medical community because of decisions that are made for them before they are old enough to consent. Um, so we need to be very cognizant of that. If someone is intersex, it's First of all, never our place ever to tell someone what they are, <laughs> right? Well, that's just the baseline for everything. But we have to understand that because that relationship can be so complicated, we only we don't need to volunteer opinions. We don't need to volunteer um, how another person should feel about their body, about how they should feel about the medical community, about their family. They may have gone some, through something. You have no idea. Um, so basically, well, I'll get to this in a second. Well, let's do the A. So A stands for asexual. It's typically defined as a lack of sexual attraction to others or just low or absent desire for sexual activity. This is a broad term, lots of layers, lots of sub-identities. Never assume that because a person is asexual, this means they never engage in sexual activity or that they don't fall in love or that they don't need companionship. Um, the asexual person, as with all identities, defines themselves what that means for them. And this is what I'm going to say about intersex people, about asexual people, about any identity, including straight for that matter. If someone chooses to share what that means for you, awesome. Otherwise, carry on. It is not your business. <laughs> okay? It's never your business to pry into what a term means from someone. If they share that with you, congratulations. That means you're a safe person. This is what we're working on. But it's not our, like, I, are you concerned with whether I'm straight? No, I hope not. <laughs> Same thing. It's not our business unless someone chooses to share. And one other term that you may hear quite frequently, especially recently, is non-binary. This is a term for people whose gender identity does not explicitly fall into one category or another. So we may identify as some combination of male and female um, or identify as genderless. There are more identities, as I said. Do some research. Um, but I have a photo. I don't know if you'll be able to see it super well. Probably not. We can put it on social media. It's called the gingerbread person. <laughs> this is an easy way to remember, I thought. I came across this when doing some research. So we have identity, expression, sex, and like biological sex and sexual orientation. Here's how you can remember. Identity is what's in your head. Okay, so my gender identity is I'm a woman, I'm a man, or I'm genderqueer. I'm somewhere on the spectrum in between. Gender is in your mind. Gender expression is what's on the outside. 
So I could be feminine, I could be masculine, I could be androgynous, I could be anywhere in the middle. Biological sex, I'm not gonna point to it, y'all know where it is, <laughs> okay? You can be female, you can be male, you can be intersex, there's a spectrum. And then your sexual orientation is what's here, your heart. Don't come up to me and be like, your heart's in the middle. <laughs> your heart is who you love, right? So it could be heterosexual, it could be bisexual, you could be gay, anything. So identity, this is where your gender is. This is where your gender expression is. We all know where our biological sex that we were born with is. And then sexual orientation is who you love. So that's an easy way to remember. Now that you know all the terms you will ever need to know about the LGBTQ plus experience, we can then move on to the next most exciting topic, pronouns. Pro <laughs> pronouns, like what's the deal with pronouns? Well, you know, if you remember from school, pronouns are what we use in place of someone's name when we're referring to them. It is important to use the pronouns that someone has shared with you so they feel most respected. If you feel unsure about someone's pronouns, you can just ask them. You can ask them privately. You can ask them politely. Um, pronouns can be a complicated topic, so we're just kind of touch the surface again. The same with the identities. There's three main categories currently. So we have he, him, she, her, they, them. None of these are complicated. Like he drove to Publix. She ate a bagel. They left their phone at my house. <laughs> Um, the vast majority of people go by either he, him, or she, her. But there's a small but growing number of people who go by the category of they or them, and there's a few other pronoun sets as well. Sometimes, this is because a person doesn't want to use pronouns with a gender association. So here's an example of this. I may use miss my entire life. Why? Because I don't know that my marital status is relevant. Like, I don't need to go by Mrs., even though I am, in fact, married. My marital status is not necessarily relevant to any conversation. <laughs> so think of it in terms of that. Like, my gender may not be relevant. I may not feel that it is relevant to anything. So I may go by they or them. Some people use pronouns that aren't associated with he, her, he, him, <laughs> or she, her, because they are non-binary. They feel that they're somewhere in the middle on the spectrum. So how do you ask someone their pronouns? Well, share your pronouns. It's the best way to encourage other people to share their pronouns is just share yours. Say, hey, Hannah, she, her. You may notice if you've emailed me, it's in my email tagline. Because I want you to know that if you share your pronouns, that automatically means that you are a safe person for someone else to share their pronouns with. You may notice some people wearing like, ask me about my pronoun buttons here. Anyone who's wearing one of those, you can talk to about pronouns. Um, if you're meeting someone's new one-on-one, -on -one, you could just say, hi, I'm Hannah. I go by she, her pronouns. If you're meeting someone who's not familiar with sharing their personal pronouns, um, you just need to be prepared to maybe have a conversation. <laughs> Depending on where you're from, if you're from the South, if you're from, you know, have a more conservative family or a more traditional family or friends, you may just have to be prepared to have that conversation of what that means. Because someone may look at you like, well, why are you, I know you're she. Why are you telling me this? Here's just a line, right? We're just gonna say, you know, people often make assumptions about whether someone goes by he or she based on physical appearance. And there's really, the only way to know how someone will feel truly respected is to ask. 
On the other hand, we do not ever, 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 ever force someone to share their pronouns. Okay, that's their choice. Like around here, it might be completely normal to say your pronouns. Um, but in another place, that person may be very uncomfortable because of the setting. And if someone does share, it be, then becomes our job to treat that person with respect and use the, person, use the pronouns that they prefer when referring to them. I know that using preferred pronouns can be difficult. Like, I get it. It's something I'm working on too. <laughs> um, especially if it's new for you. Like, you're going you're gonna to have to adjust. You're going to have to make mistakes. Um, but I think it's worth working on. We are not going to change the way we think about language if we never work on it, right? So here's a couple examples. Iger was a teenager in the early 2000s. Very cool. Um, in the early 2000s, it was completely normal, at least in the setting I was in, to say the phrase, that's so gay, in like a derogatory sense or as some kind of unnecessary defense against someone thinking that you might like someone of the same gender. Um, everyone I knew my age said that phrase constantly. It was the thing to say. Um, I said it many times. I gave it zero thought as to what harm it could do. No, like didn't even cross my mind, which was wrong. Um, and over time as a culture, we've made a shift in our language. I don't know when the last time was that I heard someone say that. Certainly not in a derogatory sense. I haven't heard, we just stopped using it. We're just like, oh, we're, we're just not gonna say that anymore. That's a great, right? We, we used to say something and now we don't. Here's another example. Um, we started to shift away from the use of he as universal for all people everywhere of all time. It used to be that he was this stand-in for any people of any gender if you didn't know their gender. It's not that way anymore. Um, here's a personal example. One of the first sermons I ever preached in my life was in chapel at college, and I have no idea what I talked about. It was clearly very moving and impactful. But afterwards, one of my professors came up to me, and he was like, I'm so proud of you. You did such a great job. And then very gently, <laughs> he was like, um, I just wonder if you knew that during your sermon, every time you referred to another person, you used he. Of course, I had not noticed. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my response was like, well, you, know, you get defensive when someone calls you out, even no matter how gently you're instantly like, oh, no, I'm right. I was like, well, he is grammatically correct, okay? And he was just so patient with me. <laughs> I, I did not deserve him. Um, he said... I know that's what the grammar book says, I know. But how would you feel if every time someone referred to you preaching today, they said he? And I was like, oh, all right, valid point. I, I don't have a clue what I preached on, but I have never forgotten those words. That was probably my, my first introduction to even thinking about pronouns, was someone so gently and so patiently saying, it doesn't, I know that's what it says, but it doesn't have to be like that. Think of how it affects you personally. And so from then on, I started trying to use more gender-inclusive language, especially when it comes to other people and when it refers to God, especially my academic writing. When I was teaching, like I always harped on my students, we're not always going to use he for God. Like use gender-inclusive language. I did go through a phase um, where I decided that if he was not acceptable, then everything should be she. <laughs> so, and there's another, like, you know how you can include both. You can be like he slash she. 
Well, I decided to write it S slash H-E so that she was first. <laughs> All I'm saying is learning is a process. <laughs> thank, thank the Lord for people who were patient with me in my life, right? So let's think about grammatical difficulties for a second. Because I know, it, like, it may feel foreign to you. You may be like, like, are they, for a singular person, I don't know how to do that. It just feel right. It doesn't roll off my tongue. I have one thing to say about this. You know language is made up, right? Like, we invented words. And then we invented rules about words. We did that. It's our creation. We made it up. And I'm not saying that we scrap all language rules of all time because then no one will understand what anyone means. If I don't have, we don't have any language rules, God forbid you try to read something that I wrote. <laughs> However, what I am saying is that we made the rules and therefore collectively we are allowed to change them. This is exactly what has happened actually. Merriam-Webster has added they, them as a singular pronoun to the dictionary. So if that's what you were waiting for, you got it. <laughs> Progress. <laughs> Okay, so we made grammar up. I know it may not roll off your tongue, but we all have a duty to start somewhere. Like I started with thinking, oh, you're right, it would feel bad. It would feel bad for someone to always reference me as he when I am not. And then I moved into the space of, I'm just gonna call everyone she, because yeah. And then I moved into the space beyond that because God is patient. <laughs> and I said, okay, We'll just use gender inclusive language and we can all collectively move into a space where respect for another person is our top priority. Here's just a few ways to refer to a group of people without assuming their gender. Friends, that's my favorite. Hi friends. Um, guests, countrymen. Nope, that one's wrong. That was a test. <laughs> Students, parents, folks. I like friends. Friends is my favorite. That's the one I'm going to use the most. Use whatever one feels comfortable to you. Well, now that you know everything there is to know about pronouns for the end of time, you don't. <laughs> Keep doing your research. <laughs> we are going to move on to our next category, which is coming out. I love this topic. Like, what even is coming out? Like, we sometimes we're tempted to think coming out is just the act of telling someone else. But in reality, coming out is a process that a person goes through. So first, they have to accept themselves. Then share that with other people. And then live openly. So it's a long process. It could take five minutes. It could take 50 years. Why is it important? Because pretending to be something that you're not takes up a huge amount of energy. We do not want people to have to dedicate a huge amount of brain space to hiding who they are. Awful. Do you want to um, just work at your job and the whole time have this in, your, in the back of your head saying, oh, I can't do that, I can't do that. You're just being so vigilant to make sure that no one knows who you truly are because it might not go well. We don't want people to have to do that. We want people to be able to dedicate their whole brains and their whole hearts and their whole souls to the things that they are passionate about. Now, the term in the closet is used to describe people who are have not disclosed their gender identity or their sexual orientation. This is very important, okay? Someone may be out in one space and closeted in another. Like someone might feel safe sharing all parts of themselves here. 
at different, but they may not feel that same safety at home. Someone may feel, a student might feel really safe sharing their identity with their friends and their teachers at school, but they may not feel safe sharing it at their job. Coming out is a nonlinear process. Interestingly, just like faith. It's ongoing. Like our journey of faith as individuals with God, it's just this ongoing, it's a daily process. It's not just about telling someone who you are. It's about learning to accept yourself and who you are first and then sharing as you feel comfortable with others. And every single person has different experiences and feelings about coming out. And coming out may be the best option for some people. And other people may not prefer to do that at all. It's a personal decision belonging to that person only. This is what we never do, okay? We never out someone. Outing is the involuntary disclosure of someone else's gender identity or sexual orientation. Meaning I took it upon myself to broadcast someone else's gender identity or sexual orientation to anyone, any other person. Not only is that a violation of trust, but it has real and sometimes very dangerous consequences for that person who is outed. If someone is not out, trust me, there is a reason. Okay, we have to be careful. We have to be like in the Bible, how many times does it say be good stewards? And we're like, oh yes, money, we should save. No, we have to be good stewards of people. We have to be good stewards of the faith that other people have placed in us. We have to be careful in our discussions. Like, why are we even having discussions about other people's gender identity and sexuality? Do we really need to know if someone is gay? Do we really need to know if someone is non-binary? Do we really need to know if someone is straight? No, it's not really our business. But what do you do if someone does come out to you? First of all, give yourself a gold star. That is a huge honor. It means you are a safe person if someone comes out to you. That means they trust you not to put them in harm's way. And make sure you respond in an appropriate manner. So here's some things we avoid saying. We're not going to say things like, I already knew that. Why? Because that's patronizing. <laughs> okay, you don't have to say that. Um, we're not going to say that. We're not, we don't want to take away someone's empowerment in that really special moment. Like you don't, you don't know how long it took someone to arrive at the space where they feel comfortable enough to going through that process and saying, I accept this about myself as this beautiful part of myself and I've come to terms with it and I'm celebrating it and I'm finally at the stage where I'm going to share that with another person and then you just pop their balloon. I already knew it. <laughs> like if I, for example, came up to you and I was like, guess what? Josiah and I are going to get married next year. Like he got me ring. It's so exciting. And you were like, I knew that was going to happen not cool. <laughs> okay. We want to celebrate with people who are celebrating. It's such a beautiful accomplishment and it's such a special moment. And so here are the four steps to take when someone comes out to you. Thank them for trusting you. This is huge, huge. And then ask them right away if it is confidential. This is important to know because if it is confidential, that means you lock it down. We don't share. But if it's not confidential, then, like, if someone says, my pronouns are they, them, oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Is that common knowledge to everyone? 
And if they say yes, wonderful. I will use they, them for you all the time. If they say no, okay, what would you like me to use? Show interest in what they've told you. If you don't know what something means, just ask. It's fine. Like if I'm like, hey, I'm gay. And you're like, what? I don't, that's so great. Like, thank you for telling me that. I don't really understand. Like, how, how does that fit in your life? Like, tell me what that means for you. People want to share. If someone's sharing with you, they're already, they already want to talk to you about it. And then ask how you can support them. How can I best support you in this? This goes right into how can we be allies? And this is for everyone. So there's straight allies, but there's allies in the LGBT plus community as well. We all have to be allies for each other. If we're new to the world of creating inclusive spaces, the bare minimum we do is practice tolerance. That's the baseline. Tolerance means do no harm. Not with your words, not with your actions. Don't do harm. Then we get to move up through acceptance and then celebration and then finally advocacy. So there's several things we can do as a faith community and as individual people to like welcome and affirm this LGBTQ plus community. We can be better allies if we're direct and positive and welcoming. This means you actually have to be visible with your support. I say this frequently, it's on our website. You may get tired of me saying it. This is a different church's position, okay? No matter your race, your ethnicity, your age, your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your gender expression, your socioeconomic background, your belief, you are welcome here. We will celebrate you for who you are and for who you will become. I hope that us doing this training on a Sunday instead of me like preaching will affirm to you that we take this very seriously. We are committed to this. We will never hide our support of the LGBTQ plus community. So we're gonna be direct, positive, and welcoming. Then we can be better allies by learning all we can. Use inclusive language, use correct terminology. Don't make assumptions about sexual orientation or gender identity. This goes for everyone, right? Like I, a straight person, need to learn all I can about the LGBTQ plus community. Make sure I'm using inclusive language. But also, if you're a member of that community, then you can learn and be more open as well. So if you're gay, maybe you can learn more about the asexual community. If you're bi, maybe you can learn more about the trans community. There's always something to learn. There's always more ways that we can be open to each other. We can be better allies by being careful with our language, not just in respecting people and using correct pronouns and referring to people the way they want, um, but avoiding words that have caused harm. So some words we don't use, transgenders, no, delete. We don't say it. We certainly do not say the word trainees. Never. Don't let that escape your lips. Bite your tongue off. That might be a bit much. <laughs> we don't use the word hermaphrodite. Why? Because it's caused so much harm to people. Um, there's two words that we want to make sure we're always mirroring what people say. So the word homosexual, some people feel very comfortable with. However, it also has been used in a very harmful manner towards a lot of people. So if you can avoid using that word, do so. But if someone uses that word towards you about themselves, then you can say that back to them. The other word is queer. Now, queer definitely was used as in like a very derogatory sense for a long time. And so, especially if you're straight, you're like, I don't know, can I say it? I don't know. I don't want to offend people. Yes, it has been a very harmful word. However, it has been reclaimed. 
So there may be people who are very uncomfortable with that word. And again, we mirror them. Okay. We're not going to use that word for people who are not comfortable with that. But if someone comes up to you and says, I'm queer, you're allowed, you get a pass. Collect $200. <laughs> pass go. It's been going through this reclamation process. It's now generally a positive word that a large portion of the LGBTQIA plus community identifies with. So the bottom line is always mirroring. So you can always mirror what someone says. Um, we just don't want to put our opinions on someone else. Just avoid assumptions, right? So remember, it's impossible to know someone's sexual orientation by looking at them. It's impossible. Another very cool thing that was going around in the early 2000s was gaydar. Oh, I just have such a great gaydar. I can just tell if some, no. It is impossible for you to know when looking at someone, unless they're literally wearing a shirt that says, I am gay. <laughs> it's impossible for you to know about someone's sexual orientation by just looking at them. The same goes for gender identity. So here's something we can do. We can just try, and this is, I'm working on this too, try to start referring to people you don't know as they more often. Instead of asking if someone has like a boyfriend or a girlfriend, ask if they have a partner. Ask if they have a significant other. And always remember, good intentions matter. Actions matter more. When we hurt someone, the first thing we have to do is accept that their feelings and their opinions matter. Don't tell someone they're being too sensitive. Don't be like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. That translated means I don't believe you. I don't believe that you should be upset about this. And when we hurt someone, whether it's intentional or not, we need, the focus should be on them, not on us. Don't make a huge deal about it. Like if I use someone's incorrect pronouns and they're like, oh, actually my pronoun is he. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll do better. That's it. Don't make them feel terrible. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. I'm so sad. I didn't mean to upset you. Don't make a big deal out of it. I'm sorry, I will do better. That's it, that's all you have to say. If you've said or done something that is actually really harmful and someone comes to you or you realize in your own soul and you're like, oh, I should not have done that, then a more detailed apology is necessary. This is how we apologize. Was anyone made to apologize as a kid? Yeah, all of us. <laughs> it just works so well, right, when you really don't mean it. Say you're sorry. Sorry. <laughs> this is how to do an apology when you have actually hurt someone. Four parts. I am sorry for, not sorry, what did you do? <laughs> what did you say? I am sorry for, and it was wrong because. Not I'm sorry you felt that way. I'm sorry if that upset you. No. <laughs> I am sorry for using the word transgenders. That was wrong because that term has been used to harm many people. In the future, I will not use that term anymore. I will do better. Please forgive me. The last one is actually up to that other person. You can't be mad at them if they don't forgive you. We have to be okay. We have to say, look, I'm sorry for, I'm sorry for, and it was wrong because 
we're letting someone know, I understand why this is a problem. And in the future, this is how I'm going to be. I'm going to work on it. I might still make mistakes, but I promise you I'm working on it. Please forgive me. Well, what does this have to do with faith? Well, to me, everything. Like the big C church. Is that a C? Is, this, this, is it this way? <laughs> Stage left? I don't know. <laughs> the big C church community has done so much harm to the LGBT plus community, not just in its lack of affirmation, but its active resistance to even the most basic levels of acceptance of people's personhood. Like churches have advocated for conversion therapies that not only don't work, that's my baby. <laughs> she disagrees with how the church, <laughs> if you're on the podcast, she just started crying, <laughs> which honestly, we should all be crying about what the church has done. Um, not only have like conversion therapies, they don't work. They've led to suicidal ideations, loss of faith, loss of community, countless mental health issues. There are so many things that have been done in church that have made it spiritually, emotionally, and sometimes physically unsafe for people to show up, even just show up on a Sunday, let alone participate as active members in a faith community. How many people have left the church Left, listen to me, left the church to find freedom. What is the message of Jesus? I have come to set you free. And yet in church, we're like, no, 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 no. You get to be locked down in here. Pick up your chains. How dare we? People have left the church to find freedom to live authentically and honestly when the faith community should be the place where people come to find freedom. How often has the scripture been interpreted through the lens of privilege of leaders whose gender and sexual orientation has always been affirmed as holy and God-given? Mm. This gets me a little fired up. I don't know if you can tell. Jesus said this in Matthew 19, 23. How hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? And we think about this reference in terms of actual money, right? But here, a fresh reading of this scripture. It is not about, it's not just about money. I mean, it is kind of about money. It's not just about money. About the effect that power has on the souls of the people who have it. How hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven when he will have to, by necessity, give up some of his wealth? How hard is it for some of us to enter the kingdom of heaven when we will have to give up by necessity some of the privileges surrounding gender and sexuality that we have always enjoyed? And I have heard this from people. Why should I have to refer to someone by their correct pronouns? Why? Because you have been enjoying your correct pronouns your whole life. <laughs> what a privilege has been afforded to you. Other people don't have that. We're going to have to give up by necessity some of our privileges that we have always enjoyed to make a safe space for everyone. And I want to share a story with you. This is a true story. It makes me, basically makes me like tear up every time I read it or think about it. There was a Southern Baptist pastor. His name is Danny Cortez. Um, as you are all aware, I am sure, Southern Baptist Convention, not affirming. Um, that's to put it mildly. And so he's a pastor in this space. And slowly over like years, he's changing his mind. 
about same-sex relationships. He just keeps doing the work. Like he keeps coming back to this and he's like, I just don't know. Something doesn't feel quite right. Like he keeps reading, keeps doing this research. Even though everyone around him continued to believe and promote these harmful ideologies. And so after several years of doing this, he finally arrives at this turning point where he can no longer just keep holding on to these theological views that had harmed so many people. And he said this, this is his words. I've come to realize that LGBTQ plus people are the ones who are going after the sheep that lost their way. I'm the sheep that needed saving. Especially as a pastor, I'm the one who had squandered the good gifts of God and used them for violence. And not long after this realization, he's taking his son, his teenage son, to school. And there was a song that came on the radio. It was a gay affirming song. And he just made like a comment about how he liked the song. And his son was like, do you even know what that means? I'm adding, I'm ad-libbing, but you know, he's a teenager, so... Trust me, I had much attitude as a teenager. So this is how I would have responded. You know what that means? And he said, yes, I know it's a gay-affirming song, and that's one of the reasons I really like it. I've changed my mind on same-sex relationships. And right then, in the car, on the way to school, his son said, I'm gay. Can you imagine? What a relief it would have been for his son to finally know that he could be who he was around his dad. Can you imagine what a relief it would have been for his dad to realize that all of this work he had been doing for years, just soul searching something like wrestling with this thing that had, he had been told and since he was little, it was all preparing him for this moment when his son was able to be who he truly was. But the story actually continues. And these are the his words, Pastor Cortez's words. He says, if we process his coming out in the next few weeks, my son said to our family this. If there was a pill I could take that would make me not gay, I would take it. And as a father, I knew that this wasn't healthy. And so the next day I said to him, if there was a pill I could give you that would make you straight, I wouldn't give it to you. This is who God made you to be. Stop fighting it. You are beautiful and perfect and I love you just the way you are. That's the part that gets me every time. Even this morning, I was like, I have read this material a hundred times. I will not cry. It gets me, okay, because if you have ever felt this way, like that teen did, if there was a pill you could take that would make you not gay, or that would make you fit the gender mold, or be not bi, or be not queer, like, please listen to me. Please listen to me. If that pill existed, I would not want to give it to you. This is who God made you to be. You don't have to fight it. You are beautiful and perfect, and God loves you just the way you are. And if your experience with church and faith and God has made you feel less than, then I just want to apologize for that. Like, I know I cannot fix the harm that has been done. But what I can do is say this. As a person of faith, as a Christian, and as a pastor, 
I can say that I am infinitely sorry. Dear queer one, you are lovable. You are lovely. You are worthy of love. You are exactly who you were meant to be. And you can belong here. <clears throat> it's enough of that. Picked the wrong day to put mascara on for the first time since Nova was born. <laughs> Before the emotions take over my life, <laughs> I just want to put up a slide with two resources for you. Um, if you need to experience some healing, these are two wonderful organizations that I would recommend. So first, Sunshine City Counseling. Um, they're just a few miles from here, actually. They're founded by a dear friend of different. She has spoken here a couple of times already. She will be back in a bit to talk about boundaries. She is the founder and owner of Sunshine City Counseling. Her name is Olivia. They offer counseling on any topic. <clears throat> but they are, as an organization, affirming of LGBTQ plus identities. And several of their counselors are members of that community as well. They do uh, virtual and in-person. And the second resource is the Christian Closet. This is an on, solely online or virtual counseling space. And all coaches and counselors are members of the LGBT plus community. They specialize in mental health counseling tied with spiritual health as well. So it's actually a faith-based Christian LGBTQ plus counseling space. They're faith-based and they are affirming. <sighs> Should brought tissue up here. So attractive. <laughs> so it's really hard to know how to end this. <laughs> Do I just stop talking? Do we just start praying? <laughs> we just pray the house down? I don't know. Um, we, I just want you to know this is a safe space, not just if you're a member of the LGBT plus community, but if you have questions about anything I said, please come find me. Um, there are no dumb questions when it comes to inclusion. I may not even know the answer. I might, I might not. If I don't know, I'm just gonna tell you I don't know as a baseline about anything in life. <laughs> if you wanna come up in here and hit me with the most hard hitting theological question you can think of in your brain and I don't know the answer, I'll be like, oh, interesting, I don't know. You don't need to worry about phrasing your question correctly. You don't need to worry about offending me. We just talk through it together. That is actually my job. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. And if you wanna continue the conversation, we have Sunday Social at Grand Central Brew House. We gotta tear down a little bit here because we just rent space. Um, I don't know if you noticed the set they're building. <laughs> That's not normally there. It'll be there for a couple more weeks. This is a uh, functioning opera company. So, you know, we get to be flexible. Um, we, have, we have two more songs. One more song. <laughs> we have one more song, and Jarrett told me that already, and I, yeah, I messed it up, you know? But I think we should pray, because, you know, we're a church, and also talking to God is great. So however you feel you want to pray, you can close your eyes. You don't have to. You can stare at me. I tend to pray with my eyes open, because otherwise I drift off. So let's pray. God, there is no 
It seems that there is no way to heal the harm that has been done. And yet, by your stripes, we are healed. It seems that there is no space that could ever be safe enough for people who have been hurt by the church, told that who they are as a person is not acceptable, and yet you make that space. Give us the grace to admit that we're wrong. Give us the strength to keep moving forward. Give us the resolve to not bend to pressure from the institutional church, from people who want to exclude others and toss money around. Give us the hope eternal for a future where all people are welcomed and not just welcomed, but celebrated. And above all, give us healing. No matter where the harm has been done, we know you can heal it from the inside out. And we are eternally grateful that though we may have given up on you a million times, yet you have not given up on us. And you continue to reach your arms out, say you are lovable and lovely and worthy of love. Amen.